Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Hey friends, welcome back. It's so great to have you. This is a third day in our journey through the city of Philippi as laid out in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 16. And I hope you have your Bibles with you. I hope you have them open. If you're not if you're not driving or something, I really want to encourage you to open up your Bible because my goal here is not to just to preach at you. My goal is to try to encourage you and equip you to study the Bible on your own. I see myself as kind of like a running coach. The point is not for me to do the running for you. It's to run alongside with you and to just to point out some things that that the Lord has put on my heart and to encourage you to dig for yourself and to enjoy the get the joy of of discovery yourself. So if you have a a paper Bible is best because then you can take notes. Open it to Acts, Acts chapter 16. Verse 16, we're going to pick it up still in the city of Philippi. Last week, or last session, we uh, learned the the name of the very first convert, the very first Christian in uh, Western civilization in Europe. Her name was Lydia, and she was a a woman, a businesswoman, a, a Jewish proselyte, but a Gentile. And now we're leaving that Jewish world, so to speak, and we're going into a completely new world. We're going to meet a new woman, but a very different cultural background. And so this one's a little sobering. We're going to start in verse 16. So it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, so this is another another time, another trip out to the riverside where the, their prayers were, and it makes it sound like there were there, that this was a common occurrence that they did it often, and so it just happened to be one of the times that they went to the Sabbath spot on the river. So that is an indication to me that they were probably doing this over a course of weeks. We don't know that, but that's my speculation. But as one of those times that we were going to this place of prayer, a certain slave girl who had a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. I want to unpack some of these words here so you can kind of get a picture. And in order to do that, I need to go back in history a little bit. And I'm not so much an expert on Greek mythology, but it's kind of pertinent in this particular case because um, the Greeks, and I told you this is a Greek city who worshipped Greek gods, and one of those gods was named Apollo. And Apollo, their tradition says, was a warrior who fought a battle against a great snake, a snake called Python. And he defeated this Python snake in a city called Delphi, which is in the the center, what the Greeks considered the very center of the world, the city of Delphi. And he threw the snake into a big ravine in a cave. And to celebrate this, the, the Greeks built a temple to Apollo at that very cave over that ravine. And the priestess who served there would sit in a chair above the ravine from which emanated fumes from down below. A geothermic fumes came out and apparently they affected her. And they believed this to be the spirit of Python inside this priestess. And she would deliver what were called oracles. These were prophetic 
pronunciations that she would deliver, often very cryptic and mystical, but very, very popular. No kings would venture on any military or big financial decisions without first consulting with the oracle at Delphi, the priestess of Pythia. And uh, she had the spirit within her. And it, many uh, ancient historical accounts said that she spoke in a voice that wasn't her own. And she would pronounce these these oracles. And when she died, they would find another person to, to take her place as the priestess. And this went on for uh, hundreds of years that this oracle of Delphi, the priestess of Python, was, would pronounce these oracles. So eventually that uh, temple was destroyed in some battle and, and that that history uh, kind of settled down, but the, the the tradition of Python-speaking prophets continued, and that is interesting because in this verse, when it talks about the slave girl, the literal Greek says she had a spirit of Python. Now, that word is never used anywhere else in Scripture, and it's a clear reference to this Greek tradition of speaking oracles or prophetic uh, fortune-telling. So clearly, she was probably very well-regarded in the city. Even though she was a slave girl, the people would come to her and she would tell them their fortunes. And uh, it was clearly very popular because she was very profitable. She brought, it says in a couple of times, how much profit she brought to her masters by fortune-telling. Now, that last word in the in the verse, fortune-telling, is a word that's used elsewhere in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. And it was used of divination, and it was roundly forbidden in in the law. In Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the divination or fortune-telling was very much considered to be completely antithetical to the way God did things, because it was reaching into a spirit world for spirit-guided prophecies that were not from God. You need to understand that the Bible clearly states that God is not the only spirit in this world. And there are other spirits, demonic spirits, who have the ability through, I don't know what mechanisms, they're not omniscient, they're not omnipresent, they don't know the future, but they have networks of other spirits and other demons. And so somehow they are able to proclaim things or else give a prophecy and then make it happen. In fact, if you go to Wikipedia on the Priestess of Python, the Oracle of Delphi, many of her prophecies were are, are listed, are recorded, and, and many of them came true, uh, more than 50%. So there's clearly some sort of spiritual demonic element to this. And the Old Testament strictly prohibited any access to such fortune tellers. Although King Saul, when he was desperate, went to the witch of Endor, who the same word, fortune telling, was used of her in the seance that she did where she spoke to dead people and so forth. And it's just it's just the reason it's so antithetical to God's ways is because it is relying on the demonic spirits to set your direction rather than relying on God, relying on astrology or mysticism to set your path rather than trust the Lord your God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings or on other directions, but trusting in the Lord God Almighty. So there's this girl. She's a slave, both physically and spiritually. She's a slave to her masters, and she's a slave to this spirit of Python that's within her. And interesting, in in the Greek, the word for master is Lord, 
And of course, the word for spirit is the same as the word used for a few verses earlier for the spirit of Jesus and for the Holy Spirit. And so we have this conflict between different lords and different spirits, right? It's it's really clear in, in the original Greek that the contrast between the Lord that that Lydia just spoke about, she says, I have become a believer in the Lord, and the Lord opened her heart, and the, she became faithful to the Lord. And now we have this, this slave girl who's a slave to other lords, and she has a spirit, not the spirit that just filled Lydia, but a different spirit. So there's this, this cosmic spiritual conflict between the true Lord and the true spirit and these earthly lords and earthly spirits. And this conflict is about to come to a head. Verse 17, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation, or that can be translated a way of salvation. And she continued doing this for many days. So you've got to see this picture. Now, what was the problem here? Paul is about to get annoyed about this. We'll, we'll see that in a moment. But what was the problem? Here's this demonic girl, possessed woman, who is proclaiming truth. What's up with that, right? These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Well, that's true. What's the problem with that? It might remind you of uh, encounters that Jesus had with demonic people or demon demonized people. Uh, who also proclaimed that he was the Messiah of God and he would silence them and he would forbid them from saying that. Why? What's the deal? Well, a lot of different opinions from scholars, but let me just put it to you this way. Paul and Jesus had no interest in cooperating and being assisted by the devil. They did not want any indication that the demonic were supporters of him. Well, why would the demons want to do this at all? Why would they want to to say these things? Why would why wouldn't they just lie? Well, clearly their minds, their hearts are set on disrupting the spread of the gospel through whatever mechanism they can. They want to disrupt the plan of of God. And if they can do that just by making a scene, and also by the way, this this was their way of trying to show authority over. They could bring a bigger crowd than Paul could bring, or they could show authority over Jesus in some way. And Jesus and Paul had had nothing to do with that. They wanted to um, stop this. So in verse 18, she continued doing this for many days, and Paul was greatly annoyed. Now, I have to stop there and just think about, you know, the spiritual realm is still, the spiritual warfare is still clearly active today. Paul would go on in the book of Ephesians to say that that we are at war not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers that surround us in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms. There is still a spiritual war going on, and there are still demonic forces that want to disrupt your life and your ministry and your spread of the gospel. And it, you know, it just occurred to me as I was reading this, that this happened for many days. And I just have to wonder, how many days in my life have I put up with devilish attacks? The devil wants to prevent me from talking to my neighbor. He wants to prevent me from sharing life-giving truth 
with with a guy who lives 20 yards west of me, right? And there are these voices in my head every time I go over there and talk to him. It's like I, I feel just this wall between me and him. And I just feel like I, I, it's almost as I don't have literal voices, but it's almost like, like the thought goes to my mind. I shouldn't be doing this. This is, this is going to be embarrassing. This is, you know, I have all of these crusty thoughts going through my head and I put up with it. I put up with it, and I've done that for far too long. I'm, I'm just being honest here and confessing that I've, I've allowed those voices to prevent me from really being bold in speaking truth in life to my neighbors. And here Paul did that for, for many days. She went on and on, but Paul eventually came to his senses, and he got annoyed, and he turned, and he said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. Paul spoke with authority over this python spirit, this demonic spirit. And he spoke with the Holy Spirit. Now, how did he know that she was possessed? Um, Was she raving and mad? I don't think so. Um, But I'm sure he knew uh, what her occupation was that was obvious in town, what she did. And maybe, like I said, the Python uh, spirits often spoke in different voices. That could have been going on here, too. And uh, so there may have been indications. There's some other indicators in the text that she was screaming these words. The word that when she says calling out is a word that's often used for screaming is what other demons often did. And so it was it was obviously annoying. It was obviously disruptive. And it was obviously keeping him from being able to focus on what God had called him to do in the city. And so he finally got so annoyed that he stopped putting up with it. And he turned and he said in the power of the Spirit, in the authority of Jesus, the same authority of the Savior who spoke to demons and cast them out with a word, he spoke with that same authority and he said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. He's not doing it in his own name. He's not using his own authority. If you go on a couple of chapters, you're going to see some people who didn't have the authority of Jesus to, to do this, and, and it po- turned out poorly to them. But he call he calls out to the Spirit. He commands the Spirit in the name of Jesus to come out, and the Spirit obeys because the Spirit of God is more powerful, has more authority than the spirits of this world. And I just am um, convicted that there are have been too many times in my life where I've allowed the spirit of this world to influence me, to stop me from doing what God wants me to do, to disrupt me from the paths that God wants me to walk on. And it it has to come to a point where I am so fed up with what the devil wants to disrupt that I speak in the authority that Jesus Christ has given me and say to the Spirit, enough, get out. And so I'm going to pray right now for my listeners. Lord God, you know the battles that uh, these listeners are facing right now. You know the um, spiritual attacks that they are under or maybe have been under for far too long and maybe they've been putting up with it for far too long. Lord God, I pray that you would raise in them a divine annoyance, annoyed that the devil has taken too much territory, annoyed that the devil has put too much blocks in the road, annoyed that the devil is messing with their heads too much and that in the authority that the Lord Jesus has given us, that they would speak and cast out these evil 
forces. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would cast out those demonic forces in my life, in my family's life, and in the listener's Lord God, we want to see your kingdom come on this planet and it's going to happen because you're going to transform us to be able to speak with authority, spiritual authority in this world. But that's going to take transformation of my heart and my life. But then I pray for that transformation in me and in everyone listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. been an honor to have you spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart and transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.